Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer just saying thank you, Lord. We thank you so much for yet another opportunity to come before your throne of grace and to receive exactly what it is that we need from you, Father. Lord, I ask that you would sit me, Jr. the man, down and that you, O sovereign Lord, would rise up big inside of me, placing your words on my lips, Lord, that your message that you have for us tonight would go out to every single heart who's in need, God, every single heart who's inquiring and just wondering what we should do, Lord. God, I thank you so much that we have such a wonderful Father that we can come to for all of our needs. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody. For Bible study today, we have a very wonderful thing to talk about. And with that, let's refer back to last week. Last week was Easter or Easter weekend. And with that, of course, we talked about our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus himself, like we always do, but more so in the sense of why it's so important we understand what the purpose of Easter is. And of course, that's because God decided we were worth saving. Do we have any value within ourselves? No, but God is so awesome that he saw the potential of what we can be, because If you know my favorite Bible verse, he knows the plans that he has for us and that they're for good and not for evil. So with all that, well, God did his thing. He did the only thing he, you know, that only he can do because we're not capable of it. And that's expressing the truest form of love being agape. And he made it known by getting up on a tree for you and for me and dying for our sins. But with that, We discussed Easter again last week in our, I'll say, unconventional way, because we touched an all-encompassing subject about how it's not just about what God wanted to do for us to save us from our own consequences that we made for ourselves, but that it's so much bigger than that, that we're not just the mistakes, we're not the past. We're not all these issues, but that we're so much more. And all of that is wrapped up inside of who God is. We just have to get to know him for ourselves. And we titled last week's lesson, He Is, because quite frankly, he just is. If you've been with me for a while, you get it. And if you didn't have the opportunity to listen to last week's lesson, well, I have it linked for you below. But for this week's lesson, we're talking about you can. And we had a very similarly named lesson a while ago. I am because he is. And it went into the whole just underlying fact that according to Colossians 2, our true identity is wrapped up inside of who Jesus is. And when he's revealed to the world, well, wonderful things happen, like people getting saved. And we who have been given the opportunity to become the sons and daughters of God no longer have to 
worry about certain things because we have a blessed assurance and that assurance being that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So for tonight's lesson, there isn't really any particular set of scriptures that we're going to focus on, but it's more so about this theme. And the theme is we don't have to be the NPC. Now, if you don't know what an NPC is, that's okay. I'm going to explain it to you. In video games, there is a certain type of character called an NPC. And an NPC stands for a non-playable character, meaning you, the person who would play the actual video game, has nothing to do with them. They're there to add to the game, to add to the world, to assist you in certain circumstances or to just kind of fill the space, right? And with that, they cannot do what is outside of their programming. Meaning if an NPC is set up to, say, run Walmart, well, that's all they can do. They just run Walmart. They never leave Walmart. They stay in Walmart. If you have uh, an NPC that, say, uh, is in the NBA, like we have NBA players, well, that's all they can do. They never deter from what they're pre-programmed to do. Now, the inspiration from this, <clears throat> for this lesson, it, and I, I love the Lord so much because he always does this to me, where I'm trying to figure out what the next lesson should be about, but boom, he just does something miraculous in the most inconspicuous of things, I'll say. Uh, my mom and dad recommended a movie to me called Free Guy. I watched it a little earlier today. And there were some key things in the movie where the Lord connected the dots for me between him dying for us and the whole purpose of us living this sanctified life or going through the sanctification process. And it's simply this, and we'll break it down. The main character in the movie said that just because we were programmed to, and I'm paraphrasing heavily here, to, to be in this particular role <clears throat> doesn't mean that we have to live in the background forever. And it really blew my mind because when you make the comparison between the unsaved and the saved life, there are some some standards here that just as an NPC in a video game has to follow, you too follow before salvation. And it's this, you're never expected to do more than what fits in your task. The task before we get to know Jesus is to just keep sinning and messing up and think we're getting better. Think we're improving. Think we're doing all these things, kind of like when we talked about the matrix, however many lessons ago. But it's the simple fact that biblically speaking, the enemy masquerades like an angel of light. Now we know that a masquerade is a, is a charade. He's doing his very best to pretend like he actually belongs to the Lord, but that's not it. That's not it. That's, 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 that'll never be it. And people 
can be deceived by this. Matter of fact, everyone who isn't saved is already deceived by that. It's terrible. But that's why God has charged all of us teachers, preachers, so on and so forth with the task to let people know. We, I, I can't imagine how many times throughout biblical history and just history alone where people have quite literally died from a lack of knowledge. But that's not the case with us. Some, somewhere, somehow, we heard the gospel, which is the message of who Jesus is, the, our Lord and Savior. And that ignited the seed of faith that resides within every single one of us. And like the parable Jesus taught about, that seed went down and it grew and it multiplied some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, meaning that it was received joyously. It may not have felt good because as we say, the cliche goes, the truth hurts sometimes, but that's because it's hurting the old us. The part that says, I don't want to be better. I don't have to change. I don't have to to do these new things. I can stay me. I'm not hurting anybody. One of our favorite excuses when we're doing something we know we have no business doing. But we, we go through that when we hear the gospel. But then God, who is so loving, he doesn't condemn us in the process. He says, but you can be better. And then a lot of us, because I know I did, God, how? And it's that same answer every single time, because I'm going to be the one doing it through you. When God promised that we would do greater things after he left physically, <clears throat> it's because he was sending the comforter, our advocate, the Holy Spirit. And in that process, well, guess what? Now, unlike the 12 disciples who had Jesus there just physically, we have him with us at all times spiritually because of the Holy Spirit residing inside of us. And as we know throughout the rest of the New Testament, once you confess with your mouth and believe it in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God sent him down just for you so you won't have to go to hell because no one no one should want to just pass up the opportunity of a free gift called salvation. You, you shouldn't want to test life out and see if what we as Christians are talking about is real. I get it. There's a lot of options out there, but I mean, just a, a lot of those don't even make sense if you just listen to them. And I know it's a lot of naysayers. Well, how can God, if he loves us so much, let all these terrible things happen? Come on now, y'all. If you've been with we've we've been through this. There is no such thing as good people. There's only one that's good. His name is God or Jesus. Okay, straight up, just period. We change the laws and lines of good and bad every single day. But with the fact that we can, like the, the main character in the movie said, he had the realization that he didn't have to be stuck in the rut anymore, but that he could be so much more. And when you hear the gospel for the first time, that switch goes off and something happens and you start to really begin to wonder and question, do I have to live in this rut in my life? Well, the answer is no. Why? Because of what Jesus did. He himself said that when the sun sets you free, you are truly free indeed. And we know that the freedom that God is trying to give us, it isn't just this physical freedom 
to not keep doing certain things anymore, but it's the spiritual freedom to not be a slave to sin anymore. Probably one of the most heavily quoted scriptures we use here in our ministry will be out of Romans chapter six, seven and eight. The simple fact in six is, is that we got issues, y'all. We don't sugarcoat that here. I let you know my problems all the time because I believe in the power of testimony. If me telling you how God got me through a certain thing can help you out, well, then to him be all the glory, because that's the point of being a family. This isn't a, a religion as we as human beings define it, being some sect of people that have the same ideology that follow a rule set. No, religion in the purest sense defined biblically is love. It's caring. It's showing the same thing that God showed to you and to me, to one another. Even Jesus goes on to point it out when asked what the greatest commandment is. And he says, quite simply, to love the Lord your God, whose name is Jesus, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, but equally as important as the first, is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, you can't love you Unless you get to know who love is. Yes, I said who, because love is a person. The Bible tells us that if a person <clears throat> has God, then they have love because God is love. But if you don't have God, I don't mean Buddha, don't mean Vishnu. I don't mean all these other, just these other things, but I mean the actual God, him, his name is Jesus. If you have him in your life, well, then you understand what love is. And when you have this relationship with God, it goes on to inspire you to want to emulate him. Why? Because that's the goal. And so we can. Let's really talk about that. Now, last week when we talked about he is, it pretty much sums up every lesson we've ever had with the whole context being that because God thought that we were worthy to be saved, not because we did something to deserve it, but because his love said that even though they keep doing me wrong, yes, you, we do God wrong when we sin. We do God wrong when we don't have a relationship with him because he made us. But when, when, we, when we start to form this, when God said that, you know, I don't want them to perish in the same way that if you had a child that kept doing wrong and you really love and care about them, you would want to be the one to take the punishment for them so that they could have an opportunity to go and grow. That sounds like a really good parent to me. Well, that's what God himself did. He died so that we could be afforded the opportunity to actually get it right. But even better than any earthly parent can do. Not only did he pay for our mistakes, but he made a pathway, an example, a guideline for us to follow so that we could be better. So that according to Jeremiah 29, 11, that we could actually see those good plans that he has for us. So that just like in the first chapter of John, everyone who would just believe in the son of God would be afforded the opportunity. They would be given the power to become the children of God. 
See, it's not something we earn, people. It's something we're freely given. If we could work for salvation, I promise you Jesus wouldn't have had to come down for us because somebody would have got it right. And then another person would have gotten it. But the whole purpose of the OT or the law, the first covenant or the first promise was to show you, hey, you got problems. But unlike Satan, I'm not here to to rub it in your face. I'm here to show you that there's a better way. And I'm the way back to John chapter one. Well, not even. Is it John chapter one? It's, it's not. But the, the point is, is that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is the way it is. Chapter one. Excuse me. Thank you, Lord. He's the way, the truth, the life, the light of the world. He's everything. He's our literal everything. He's the reason why I'm here with you guys every week, because at some point, me being crazy wasn't it anymore. And I wanted to be better. I wanted to see the plans that he actually had for me. And just like the character in the movie that I was telling you about, we all have to come to the realization It doesn't matter how much someone preaches to you. It doesn't matter how much someone tells you about the goodness of God. If you don't want it, you won't get it because God does not make the choice for you. That's still your prerogative. And we talked about that heavily last week. The simple fact that even in the sacrifice, he still lets you make the choice to stay a slave and show you how crazy you really are because It's a free gift right there. Here's the key to your shackles. Take them off. The second you reach for the key, I'll come release you. Why wouldn't you do it? And so now we're here. Let's just all pretend everybody who's heard an Easter speech got saved. Let's that would be great. Now we're here. What do I do? That's just it. You can do anything in Christ, not sin. Don't don't no, don't don't do that. We've talked about that. Like Paul says, I believe in the book of Romans. It might not be. It's one of them. Some wonderful person will put it down here for me. But you're free to do all things. But that doesn't mean that all things are beneficial to you. Okay, it's like you get saved. Yes. Great. I'm happy for you. You're going to heaven now. But that doesn't give you a free pass to go do anything this wants you to do. Because if you really got saved, your spirit is a new creation. You've taken off the old life and you've put on the new, the new life being Jesus. We talked about it last week. Put on Jesus, our Lord and Savior, because when you put him on, you don't give sin a chance. Mistakes happen. We're not perfect, but you don't give it the opportunity. You don't give yourself an avenue to go do wrong. You're no longer plotting and scheming to just be crazy. So we can, we can be better. We can break free. We can go forth. We can get elevated. We can actually grow. We can let the past alone. We can stop fighting old battles so we can fight the new one now. The new one being whatever the day brings because and we've talked about that before we can't fight the current battles we can't fight future ones if we're caught up in the past the past could be yesterday i don't care what happened okay god died for it but we have to make the choice remember this all comes back on us to let go and let god 
we hear it all the time in the church. But what does it actually mean? It means you need to make the choice, the conscious decision to take whatever ailed you because it can't hurt you anymore to take the the power away from the enemy and anyone else who you've given it to because that's that's how the people hurt you and you let the past come up and mess with you it's a dead horse don't let the dead horse keep following you cut the rope let it stink back there far away from you it does not need to be stinking in your new house okay let it stink outside let let the trash department come get it but you go forth you be what god has destined you to be because again your potential is limitless now like i said at the beginning there isn't any one set of scriptures we're focusing on tonight it's the theme of you can do it I don't know what it is because we all have a a different path to walk in life. We all have a, a different journey to take. But the end goal is the same for each Christian believer. You get saved. Go tell someone else about Jesus. If you really love him, you can't help but talk about God. The Bible tells us that it's sweet like honey, but it stews in the stomach like like bitter. It's very bitter. And then we have to get it out of us because you can't sit on the goodness of God. I'd be lying to you if I said you could. But the whole purpose of this lesson, every future lesson for the rest of this year, it's that God wants so much more for you. And if you really got saved, well, then don't settle for less. Mediocrity and conformity is not what Jesus went died for. I know we have all those cliches about that's not what what MLK marched for. That's not what all these other cool people did. But don't worry about that. God didn't die for your sins so you could stay mediocre the rest of your day. That's not it. God died for you. So one, you wouldn't have to go to hell. Two, you could understand what real love looks like. And three, you could go be something. You could actually go be something. You could soar through the sky. You could help get people saved. You could bring people out of the club, out of pornography addictions, out of alcoholism, out of drug abuse, out of whoring, out of anything just terrible. Because God can use your old life experiences and turn them for the better. The Bible tells us where Paul is having the conversation with the Lord about removing the thorn from his side. He asked him three times, please get it away from me. But each time God said that his grace was sufficient and sufficiency in God's definition is much more than what we understand. Sufficient for you and for me means it was barely enough. It got the job done. Sufficient for God means that it surpasses excellence excellently. If I were to quote Kobe Bryant here, it means that his grace, it's so magnificent that it does more than you could ever hope or think for, just like the Bible tells us. And that's with you trying to ask him something. So just imagine what saying, God, I trust you. I'll, I'll keep doing what you told me to do. I'll keep waiting on you. I'll keep serving. I'll keep doing X, Y, or Z. Doesn't matter. But I'm putting my trust or my faith in you because that's the whole, that, that makes everything click for you and for me. Everything after we get saved is a test of our faith. Can you trust my timing? Can you trust my plan? Can you wait a moment? 
because the instant gratification you want of me moving the mountain, sure, I could give it to you, but how will that help you grow in the long run? See, we here, we believe in those on the mountain breakthroughs where we held on just a little bit longer so God could bless us and elevate us. We don't worry about trying to dodge the mountain because we know God can take us straight through the mountain. God doesn't weave the storm. He takes us straight through it because he's the one going ahead of us, preparing the way. There's nothing to ever be afraid of. We feel like we're getting tired or weary. Well, he's our rock, literally in a weary place. He's on left and right holding us up. He's in the back watching our our rear so that any enemy, any tactic, any adversary, anything Satan could try to throw at you will fall to the ground. Why? Because he is. And because he is, we we can. We can do it, y'all. We can make it through life. We can get to the next day. We don't have to be depressed every single day. I used to be depressed a lot. It was terrible. It was never to the point of suicide, thank God, but it was it was atrocious. Each day was a, a real trudge. And, you know, I think it lasted from 14 to 23. I'll be 26 this year. That's a big portion of my life. But I'm not depressed. I'm not sad. I'm not angry anymore. I'm not any of those things. Why? Because something clicked and that something was the Lord talking to me saying, baby, you don't have to keep holding on to this. What these people did in the past, it can't affect you anymore. This stigmatism that you've given yourself, because a lot of problems we have in life, we give to ourselves because we we as a people, as a species, not just a particular race of people, but just us as a whole, as humanity, we have this slave mentality of I don't deserve better. But yes, you do. You know why? Because God Almighty, the creator of heaven, earth and everything else said that you deserve to be saved. So that definitely means you deserve better. So if anything, let this lesson tonight be an encouragement that wherever you are right now in your life, don't worry about it. If you have an active relationship with the Lord Almighty, well, he's going to carry you through. As the song says, God has brought me too far to leave me alone now. Okay, I'm, I'm telling you as a young man, one that could be out here doing any number of disgusting things, but I'm not because God got my head on pretty straight. And I'm thankful for my mom, my grandmother and my aunts and uncles who helped keep me in line because, baby, I was tripping at some point. but. I'm straight now. I'm good. I'm here with you because Jesus is real. I could be out there still tripping, but I'm here with you tonight to tell you about the goodness of our Lord so that you could keep pushing so that when the bogus job offers come through, you won't fold on it because that's not what God has for you. That's a masquerade of Satan trying to deter you from your future. That when the relationship seems to go sour, understand half the relationships we put ourselves in. Yes, we do it. God didn't ordain that. So don't be sad when it crumbles to, to nothing. That's the Lord saving you from some terrible future that you don't need anything to do with. I've been there, done that too. And I could speak for a number of people in this Bible study because I know them personally. 
But the point is, y'all, God loves you. He loves you a lot. So much so that the crazy things we see going on in life are still used to not only get people saved, but to, to glorify his name. Because, again, if he didn't love you, well, we probably wouldn't be here today. He could have ended it the second Adam and Eve messed up in the garden because we all would have done it too. But I want to leave you with this. When Jesus died for you and for me, there is a particular moment on the cross that I had this conversation with, uh, with my brother Broderick recently. And he said, you know, life can be really hard. <clears throat> and there used to be times where I wanted to complain about it. But if Jesus himself was asking, you know, God, why have you forsaken me? Then that means maybe my life isn't that hard. And when we went to discuss about it, because I love where Jesus says, Eli, Eli, meaning my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's not from the, the context of his divinity saying, Lord, what's up? Why are you letting me do this alone? No, that's from the humanity because Jesus was 100% God and 100% man to show us what we can be if we let God lead and direct our lives. Remember, he's the author and the finisher of your faith. But I love it because it goes to show that no matter how weak the flesh wants to get, the spirit will always overcome if one of our favorite words, if we let God be God. Remember, it's not your job to problem solve. That's for Jesus. It's not your job to worry about tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to see it. Just focus on today. OK, it's not your job to do half the things that we're taught we should do. But it is your job to have faith. How am I have faith in somebody I ain't never met? You have faith that you're going to breathe oxygen. You can't meet oxygen. You can't see it. You have faith that you're going to get paid if you go to work, even though you've never met the person who's in charge of payroll. And if you have, we don't know where that money comes from. It's so many things we take for granted, but never take God for granted. He loves you. He died for you. He puts um, peculiar people like all of us together so that we can help one another in this thing called a family because we are a family, y'all. So remember, and thank you, Granny. First Corinthians 6.12 and 10.23. Thank you. I love you. But he, he puts all of us together so we can help. And with that, I just want to say, if you don't know God, well, today's a good time to get to know him. as someone who was raised in the church, but it didn't click for me for real. I didn't take it seriously till maybe my teen years. Get to know him now. If you do know him, get to know him better. We have nothing but time with Christ because as we know, to live is for Christ and to die is to gain. When Jesus died and rose because he did rise, y'all, he is risen meaning he was forever alive, lamb slain, all eternal, as a reminder to himself to spare the wrath and said to give us grace and mercy. 
but that we're here for the sole purpose of glorifying him. And it's a privilege. So again, if you don't know God, get to know him, but you have nothing to lose. It's a free offer. And it's not like we're a cult. I'm not asking you to drink some strange Kool-Aid. I'm just asking you to give the Lord five minutes of your time because doing so would be the best thing you could ever do. I took it seriously about 15 or 16 and I've never looked back. Even when I was out there tripping, tripping, here I am just to go to show that the word does not fail because he is a watcher, a keeper and a performer of his word. And I'll leave you with this. Raise up a child or train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they get old, they won't depart because you can't. God is the foundation. He's the frame. He's the structure, the insulation, the sheetrock. He's everything. He keeps us together. So Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer simply saying thank you, Lord. We thank you that on Calvary all those years ago, you died just for us, Lord, that we had yet another opportunity last week to celebrate your selfless sacrifice that you did not have to do. You who who were without sin came down and became sin for me because we have to take it personal. You died for my sins, for my transgressions, for all the mistakes that I will make because I'm going to make them. The, the willing for ones, because, you know, we we kind of crazy at times and just the mistakes of being human because it's a condition that we suffer with. But, Father, I thank you nonetheless that your love does not pick and choose when it works, but that it's just always abound, meaning that just like you told us, if we would abide in you, you would abide in us, meaning if we would put our faith in you, then you would put your strength your love, your peace, your kindness, your grace, your con- your self-control, Lord, that you would put all of that inside of us so that we could actually go and be something, so that we could be someone, so that we could show a dying world how alive you are, God, that you're not some statue we crafted out of gold. You're not some folktale that we created to to tell children to help them sleep at night, that you're not some I don't know, story hand knitted into a blanket or written on a wall out of finger paint, but that you are the everlasting God from beginning to end before there was a beginning and way after there'll be an end because everything that happens resides inside of you, Father. So I humbly ask that anyone who doesn't know you would be set up in a peculiar way to get to know you, God, so that they could share in the peace, the joy which is a constant state of happiness inside of you, God, where circumstances don't determine our mood, but that the blessed assurance that we are good forever just continually resonates with our spirits because we know that you got us, God. I pray that someone would get to understand and experience you the way that we, your children, do. And that if we already know you, for those who do, that you would just help us to to keep on pressing forward. Life's tough. It's difficult at times. It makes us want to give up. But we thank you that you're the strength, that you're the encouragement, that you're the determining factor, that your favor, which says, I don't care if you're qualified, I'll call you unqualified and qualify you in the process, continues to push us forward. That you're the the motivation, you're literally everything, God. From the littlest thing on up to the biggest, because we can't even begin to just encompass you fully. But Lord, we thank you that we have the relationship. 
So, Father, we just want to come before you saying thank you, that we love you, and we'll be sure to give your name all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.